Front Desk, Chapter 7. I tried not to think about stupid Mr. Yao and Jason for the rest of the day, but it was extremely difficult. How could they just change the terms on us like that? Now, whenever a customer returned the key, instead of getting $5, we were getting hardly anything. I counted the keys in my hand. There were eight there. I knew I had checked in 12 people yesterday. The other keys must still be in the rooms. I hopped off the stool and went out the back to investigate. I found three of the room keys in the rooms. The customers just left them there and went on their way, but I could not find the room key for room nine. I looked everywhere, but there was absolutely no key in the room, and the customer was long gone. Did they accidentally take the key? I walked over to the laundry room, where my parents were washing the towels and sheets. It was this big room way in the back of the motel, which had an industrial washing machine and dryer that ran 24-7 and made a, this awful grinding noise like it was drying metal screws and not sheets. Over the noise, I could hear my parents talking. Please, sir, we still really want the job, my mom mimicked my dad. Why didn't you just kneel before him? Fine, you want to quit? Let's quit, my dad said. Let's call him right now and quit. You know we can't quit, my mom said. Mia's starting school tomorrow. At the sound of my name, I thought about turning around and leaving. I hated hearing my parents argue. They hadn't really done it in China, but ever since we came to America, it was getting harder and harder to avoid. I cleared my throat. Hey, um, mom? Hey, dad? Mia, my dad said, spinning around. He tried to look all happy, like he hadn't just been fighting. We were just uh, talking, he said. I wanted to say to them, it's okay. You argue sometimes, I get it. Room nine left, but he didn't leave his key, I told them. What should I do? Wait, so there's no key? Well, there's the master key, I reminded them, but I can't give that out. All right, let me see what we can do, my mom said. My mom followed me out of the laundry room. When we got back to the front desk, we opened up all the cabinets. We eventually found a white box buried in the back of the drawer with the words, official spare keys in permanent marker. My mom took the box out and opened it. Sure enough, there were 30 official spare keys inside, one for each room. Here's the one for room nine, I said, picking it up and clutching it in my hand. Great, my mom said. I was about to hang the key on its little hook next to all the other keys when it occurred to me, we couldn't give this key out. This was our only spare key. What if someone took it? My mom sighed. We had no choice but to call Mr. Yao. As my mom explained the situation to him over the phone, I tried to squeeze in next to her to hear. What's he saying, I asked, but my mom just shook her head. I went over to the room and picked up the extension just in time to hear Mr. Yao exclaim, what kind of idiot doesn't charge a deposit on the key? That would be me. For the record, I didn't charge a deposit on the key because, well, who charges a deposit on the key? Deposits were for renting bikes and cars. Why would anyone want to steal a key? Mr. Yao told my mom we had to make a new key with the key machine underneath the front desk. My mom and I knelt down to the floor to look for it. We finally found it. It was way in the back. It wasn't actually much of a machine, more like an assortment of blank keys, needles, pins, and files with big metal things to keep the key in place as you worked on it. Leave it, my mom said. After I finish cleaning all the rooms, I'll make the key. Until then, don't touch it, okay? Do not try to make it. I nodded and I waited until she went back out. Any adults who says the words don't touch it to a kid should know it's an open invitation to touch it. I accepted my mom's invitation and I picked up one of the blank keys, holding it up to the spare room nine key. With all of its little ridges and valleys, I wondered, 
were we supposed to file the ridges and valleys? Was that how this worked? I gently ran the file against the blank key. To my surprise, it made little dents. I ran the file again, another dent. Hey, this wasn't so bad. I didn't even need a metal thing to clamp the key down. I could just go by holding the key. I filled the file. I filed and filed. With each new dent, I sang, look at me, I'm making the key. I was having so much fun, I forgot to look at where I was filing and accidentally filed my finger. Ow! I cried. I dropped the file in the key and held up my throbbing finger. The skin of my index finger had been rubbed raw and it was bleeding. I ran to the bathroom to get a band-aid, but there weren't any. So I took some toilet paper and wrapped it around my finger. The toilet paper turned bright red in seconds. I grabbed more toilet paper and held it to the wound, even though it hurt like crazy. Eventually, the bleeding stopped. I wrapped the toilet paper in scotch tape around and around. With my tiny mummy finger all set, I sat back down at the front desk and glanced at the unfinished key. I should have stopped right there. I should have put the key away and waited for my mom. That would have been the sensible thing to do. But I had this thing where I started something. I had to finish it. It didn't matter what it was. Books, Chinese chess, or the last strawberry on the candied skewers I used to eat back at home. When I started something, I finished it. And so I picked up the blank key again with my gigantic finger held high out of the way. I started filing. Ten minutes later, I was done. It wasn't perfect. I'll admit it. It wasn't pretty by any standard. But when I held the spare to the blank, it had all the same ridges and valleys. As I stood back to admire my creation, a customer came in. Got any rooms in the back, he asked. I did indeed and proudly handed him my new key. What in the world? The customer yelled, ringing the office a couple minutes later. The key you gave me doesn't work. As it turned out, though, I had filed the ridges to perfection. I had forgotten to smooth out the edges. So when the customer put the key in, it got stuck. I rushed out to the back to help him. We pushed and we pulled. Finally, we managed to jam it into the doorknob and unlock the door. When the customer laid eyes on the room, his face fell. This is a lot smaller than what I was expecting, he said. I looked around the room. There was a bed, a dresser, television, small table, and chair. It was modest, sure, but what else did he need? Why don't you get settled in? I'll come back in 10 minutes and I'll give you a new key, I asked. Mr. Lewis looked like he was still wasn't sure about the room and the whole stuck key thing. So I threw in, and I'll bring a free soda. How's that? He perked up and said, okay. As I walked back to the front desk, I shook my head. Why was it that everything in America had to do something with money? People wouldn't give you back your key unless you charge them a deposit? They'd hold a simple mistake over your head unless you gave them a free soda? At my old school in China, there was this kind elderly man who lived near the building. Every day he'd give me a popsicle on my way home in exchange for telling him what I learned in school that day. That was... That was it. No money, no credit card. Just, hey, how was school? I sighed. I missed Popsicle Grandpa. There was no one like that here. Here, everything had a price, even kindness. No sooner had I gotten back to the front office than Mr. Lewis called me back to his room. Come back, come back right now, he said in the phone. From the urgency in his voice, I thought it was a real emergency. Had the smoke alarm gone off? Did the television explode? I rushed back to room nine and found Mr. Lewis standing in the bathroom, staring at the trash can. Do you see that? He asked, pointing to the small plastic trash under the sink in the bathroom. I stared into the black bin. I couldn't see anything. 
See what? That, he shouted. He picked up the trash can and shoved it in my face. I squinted into the darkness and saw what appeared to be a single long string. It looked like dental floss. You see it? Mr. Lewis asked. Yes, I see it now, I said. This room has not been properly cleaned, Mr. Lewis said. I assure you it has. Clearly it hasn't or we wouldn't be having this conversation. I would like another room, a bigger room. Sir, all of our rooms are the same size. Mr. Lewis crossed his arms and said, I don't believe you. I would like you to open every single room and I will pick one for myself. That's when I lost it. Maybe it was my throbbing finger or the two refunds or Mr. Yao changing the teal, but I just couldn't control myself. Sir, that's ridiculous. You can't pick your own room. This isn't a salad bar. As soon as I said the words, I knew I had gone too far, but it was too late to snatch them back. Well, Mr. Lewis said, fuming, if that's the way it's going to be, then I would like a refund. No. Please, Mr. Lewis, I pleaded with him. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said the things about the salad bar. I don't know why I said that. I squeezed my eyes shut and confessed. I've never actually been to a salad bar. I've only seen them on TV. Mr. Lewis looked shocked. You've never been to a salad bar? I shook my head. His eyes softened. Why are you doing this? He asked me. Shouldn't you be out playing? I looked away from him. Why were Americans always asking kids to go out and play? In China, kids almost never played. They had to sit for exams starting at an early age. Except for families getting together, every minute after school was packed with homework, drilling, revisions, dictations. When I went to first grade in China, I got only two minutes a day to play. That's literally what it said on the schedule I made for myself. 5 to 5.02, play. I wanted to say to Mr. Lewis that I'd never really played and I didn't intend to start now. The other part of me wanted to say, this is playing. I got to run a motel. Was there any better way to play? In the end, I simply said, I like my job very much. Mr. Lewis looked slightly embarrassed and said, of course you do. I'm sorry. He looked around the room once more. You know what? This will do just fine, he said. Really? I asked. I could not believe my ears and I'm sorry I gave you such a hard time. Here, let me empty that for you, I said, taking the trash can from his hands. I went outside, quickly emptied the can in the dumpster, and placed it back in Mr. Lewis's bathroom. Is there anything else I could do for you to make your stay more pleasant, I asked. Mr. Lewis thought for a second. Then he held up a finger and announced, pillows. Pillows? Yes, I need four pillows. Two for under my head, one for between my legs, and one to hug. I smiled. Done.